podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Another Whistleblowers podcast in the can. All done, all finished. Uh, Gareth Dobson, do you enjoy that? I enjoyed that thoroughly, actually. I, I particularly enjoyed the, uh, the Champo chat. The championship? Champo chat. Champo, Champo chat? Yeah. I wonder what was happening then when you started that sentence well, and, then, and ended it that way. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> Chris, what was your highlight of the podcast? Um... Always fun to talk about the championship as well, but... It is fun to talk about it. It doesn't really it get is, that much, that much attention. It's the greatest league in the world. It, I do sort of agree with you on that. Yeah, yeah. I do sort of agree with you. That is in the second half. We also talk about VAR, predictably. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? What talk about the first half? Well, I, I thought we, we got into uh, Sheffield United pretty well. Yeah. We discussed some re- early Sheffield relegation yep. suggestions. A little bit of North London, you know, struggles as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I liked your... Yeah, you had some... Actually, quite an interesting idea on who might go down this season, and I disagreed with you, Gareth. And well, that is the nature of the podcast. It was, it was great chat. Yeah, good stuff. And at the end of the podcast, I give you the opportunity to plug something, and you forgot what the name of it was. Yes. So that will have got cut. Yes. All right, stick around. Bye. Welcome to the Whistleblowers podcast. Uh, another foray into the weekend just gone, and a little preview of what's coming up i guess there is no martin gritton repeat there is no martin gritton on this podcast yet again it's almost as if he doesn't like us or believe in the podcast instead though very lucky to have regular semi-regular guest i'd say gareth dobson thank you hello yeah would you say semi-regular yeah how many times you've been on it Uh, i mean double figures we're talking two or three hundred i think yeah exactly uh gareth uh you'll know from this podcast he is the I'd say resident Spurs expert, so it's good to have you back on again, Gareth. Thank you for filling in for the wasteful Martin Gritton. Also, alongside you, another guest, we've got Chris Duncan. Hi, Chris Duncan. Hi, Mark. How's it going? <laughs> yeah, good, thanks, man. Uh, you are a, I would say, a pretty reliable source on the championship. You're a Leeds United fan. Yep, yep. yep. So I fully subscribe to Bielsa's notion of playing a lot of football but not actually scoring lots of goals. Good. Um, and yeah... And you're a Derby fan, so this is going to be interesting. I am a Derby fan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how much we'll get into that. I get just sort of suck it and see, I guess. Let's see where where we are later on. But it is probably the best way to start is to talk about Arsenal, Chef United last night. Now, Gareth, you're a Spurs fan, so I imagine you took pretty great delight in in what happened last night. Uh, A little bit. I have to admit, I was just grimacing through the game. It It was really frustrating to watch. I At some point, you... You just assume Arsenal even get past this whole issue of of not beating teams they probably should beat. That that's, but Sheffield United were probably better than them in you know kind of all all the phases of the game. You know, it was a well taken goal from a set piece, and you know Arsenal looked kind of ineffective and out of ideas, which is surprising and a little worrying. Yeah, uh, Chris, did you see the game? Uh, I didn't, but I've been seeing how Sheffield United and Arsenal have been playing this season, and I think. Sheffield United have, they've just been continuing what they've been doing last season, which I'm sure you, you noticed as a, as a Derby fan as well. Um, they just seem to like almost, they don't really overwhelm teams, but they're very, very good at what they do. And the fact that they scored it from a set piece last night was kind of like, mm. 
it's it's what they've been doing for quite a long time now. And it, it's what you'd imagine any any team coming up. You think right, they're going to be gritty, they're going to be organised, they're going to score yeah. goals from set pieces, which I think is actually a bit unfair on Sheffield United. It is they're not that sort of team, to, yeah, to and, my eye anyway. And Wilder obviously has the overlapping centre backs, which we've well, not seen that much of though this season. I've no, it's no, but it's. It's great that he's got that in his locker and it shows that he's an intelligent manager. He's, he's a progressive not, manager. Yeah, he's, he's not, not what afraid, you think it's going to be. He's not afraid to try something different. Um, and the, the other thing about Sheffield United is the fact that they've kept a lot of their first-choice team from last season, yeah. which I think shows like it's like the anti-Fulham kind of like Fulham anti-Fulham. movement. The Anti-Villa as well, I suppose. You'd... Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so it's, it's kind of refreshing to see them do well, yeah. Yeah, I'm really pleased for them. Um, I think they were absolutely brilliant last season in the Championship. And I think nine out of ten people, if you'd surveyed them before the start of the season, would have had them in not just the bottom three, but I think probably the bottom one. Yep. So it's good to see that up to this point, where are we now, middle of October, yep. they're way outperforming themselves. Right. I mean, they're, they're top half of the table, by the yeah. way. Yeah. They're on 12 points. They're only three points off Arsenal. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's phenomenal. I know, I know that the league is all bunched up and three or four points would, would change everything, but I've been really impressed with them. And I seem to ask this every week, but I'll, I'll, I'll sort of ask you two as well. If you're picking three teams right now to go down, who are they and are Sheffield United in it? Sheffield United are definitely not in it. Um, definitely. Oh, 100%. Definitely, 100%. Gareth Dobson says... Guarantee. guarantee. Cast iron guarantee. I think uh, this may finally be the year that Southampton run out of uh, luck. They've been okay. kind of having dalliances of the bottom three or four for a couple of years now. Um, you, you would have thought that Hassan Hurtul would have, you know, got them together a little bit more the but idea that next was, level kicking on yeah this idea that he was a you know he's a he's a coach yeah and you know he implements a style and, and a manner of playing and he had the international break as well um and then obviously this weekend they take the lead and and they can't hang on which is disappointing but you know as a as a club they've spent the best part of the last two or three years in the bottom six yeah so you know it's like quicksand usually at some point you just do you not think they've got in. enough firepower to get through? I'm thinking of the likes of um, Ings, who I think is actually an excellent striker. He's playing very well. I think Trey Adams at some point will come good. Um, and I also think that the likes of Redmond and even someone like Buffal, who can make something happen mm-hmm. at nothing. I just feel like they've got, they've got something in the locker there. They've got something that at any point in the game, something could happen. That's why I think that they might be okay. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's probably fair. They've probably got a good amount of attacking fire player. But I, I do think they flattered the deceiver. I mean, Nathan Redmond is meant to be the next great, yeah. you know, attacking wide British player. Well, we say that, but he's 20. He's not, he's not young, young, is he's he? He's not young and it's, you know, he still hasn't broken through. And yeah. at some point you probably have to say, maybe, you know, it's a team where you look on paper, oh, that's pretty good, but actually it's just not functional. Okay. So Southampton, who, who are the other two you've gone for? Keep it, keep it brief now, Gareth. Southampton. I worry about Brighton. I'd like to see Brighton stay up. Um, there's a lot of good aspects to that. Good day out as well, isn't it? It's a great day out at the <laughs> Amex. Um, that's a tough one, actually. Who do you have, Chris? Well, I think Watford, um, partly because of their inability to beat Tottenham at the weekend. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they, they still yet to register a win, which is quite concerning when you're this far into a season. Yeah. Um, How much do you put that down to the way their season ended? Biggest game for a long time in the club's history, and, yeah. and they go and get absolutely mullered at Wembley. Yeah, and then that it probably didn't help replicating that result and, and some yeah. at the Etihad. Um, Do you think it's just demor- a demoralising summer? Yeah, they've, the thing is, they've got a good squad as well. They've got great yeah. attacking players like De La Feu, etc. Yeah. Obviously, Ducore in midfield, he scored at the weekend. But Will Hughes. 
yep. who we well, are the biggest fan of on this podcast. I yeah, he's know. he's a cracking um, albino. Yep. Um, but yeah, and then also I think I do worry about Norwich because I don't think their squad's big enough and obviously they've been decimated by injuries. Yes, and I think Norwich... I feel like people have worked them out a little bit. Just sit yeah. sit back a little bit. Don't give Pookie that space. And, and yeah, you're right with the squad depth, which is the one thing I'd say about Sheffield United is that come the real dog days of you know, January, February, where you're playing two games a week and you have been for months now and it's cold and it's dark and it's horrible and you're grinding out every time you go on the pitch. I just wonder, have they got 18 good enough players that can be rotated and, and, and play. But who knows? I want to be proven wrong with Sheffield United. And, I, and actually, I don't think they'll go down, so I'll be proven right. And Norwich will always have that victory against Manchester City. Yeah, but they, they, they've sort of been cursed, though, since that result. They've really struggled. Yeah. Is, is, that just, is, it, is it just because they've had this huge moment and they haven't been able to replicate it? Are they on a come down? What is it? I, I, honestly, I think it was such a weird off-the-wall result that it's almost just returning to uh, to normalcy. Yeah, OK. Yeah. Uh, but on to Arsenal, who mm. were playing Sheffield United last night. Uh, they don't seem to want to get top four. There seem to be a few teams this season who... I mean, it happened last season where everyone was dropping points. Yeah. It was just ridiculous. Apart from Liverpool and Man City, everybody was dropping points. And it's happening early this time. Spurs don't seem to be interested. United are irrelevant. Arsenal look like they are losing their minds at the minute. Like some of the decision-making from, from the top down to the bottom is, is unbelievable. What, what do you make of their chances this season of, of I mean, doing anything? I, I, don't think, I think Emery's starting to live on borrowed time now. Already? Yeah, okay. because I think, I think he had enough time last season uh, and now the start of this season to kind of make his mark on a team and they still don't seem to know what they're doing as a team. There there's, yeah. doesn't seem to be any kind of like cohesive plan of what they're trying to execute. What what is this? Exactly. What are you trying it, to achieve here? Yeah, exactly. And and obviously having frozen Ozil out, mm. which I mean, it's hard to say that he wouldn't improve this current team. But I understand um, why he doesn't play. Yeah, of course, of course. But he's a very big kind of mill around the neck of their finances in terms of if they want to improve the team. Yeah. Um, just looking at the table now, with their one telling thing with with Arsenal and Spurs for that matter, it's the fact that goal difference is one and two respectively, which yeah. is kind of incredible for a team of that stature. Um, when you look at Liverpool plus 14, Man City plus 20, I mean, that just but says all really, Even it? Leicester are way ahead of them in, yeah, in yeah. that regard. I say yeah. even Leicester, they're very good and it could actually yep. be that year. I mean, a lot of yeah. people said it at the start of the season. They said Leicester, West Ham, Everton would all be chipping away for that. Oh, Wolves was also mentioned. Yeah. Chipping away for that top four. I feel like... Leicester early doors have really grabbed that ball by the horns and are playing great. Yeah, I have to admit, I, I was a doubter um, in regards to Leicester um, and, and Wolves. I think Wolves was easier to, to predict just because of the Europa, Europa League yeah. involvement and the fact that they seem to want to do well in it. Yeah. I think they're very keen to, to progress. Uh, Leicester, and, why, and why not, by the way? Yeah. No, it's great. And I, I, I think it is important. There's, you know, if they can go and reach the quarterfinals, semifinals, then they'll be placing themselves on the map. Yeah. You know, internationally, people. You know, it's going to help them bring more players in. Absolutely. They obviously have the finances and the pool through their yeah. connections to keep improving as a club. So it actually they makes get sense. A, if they can get a major European knockout game, 
Yeah. I think that'd be huge. Huge agree, for that yeah. club. I mean, Fulham got to the final not, not that long ago. It was 2010. Yep. yep. And I mean, Middlesbrough just before them yeah, as well. I mean, yeah. th- these, are, these are clubs that, that... And look where they are now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But Fulham were no, were no bigger than Wolves in stature no, at the time. Yeah, I'd yeah. probably say there were a couple of sets behind them, actually. Of course. And now you have the incentive of uh, Champions League football if you win it as well. Absolutely. absolutely. It's, it's, it's changed the game entirely. Um, I want to talk about a game that happened on Sunday. I'm sure you both saw it. It was, on paper, the biggest game of the weekend. Uh, historically, pretty much the biggest game we have in this country. And actually, it wasn't as awful as I thought it was going to be. United-Liverpool, what do you make of it, Chris? Um, I think I was... It's, it's funny because, obviously, everyone expected um, Liverpool to just walk over Man United. But I, I think we all knew deep down it wasn't going to be the case because Man United are always going to be up for a game against Liverpool. And, and it showed. And Liverpool just weren't at the races, were they? Um, but I'd say that they haven't... They haven't always been up for that game. Because I remember uh, the David Moyes season where very similar, actually, very similar circumstances. Liverpool on the ascendancy, David Moyes' United just playing awfully, a lot of pressure on the manager. And I remember that game was 3-0 Liverpool at Old Trafford and it was just, they just down tools so early on. Whereas this game, United were up for it and I put that down to the fact that they're still playing for this manager. Yep. I think they still like this manager. Yeah, I think I think that's fair to say. And and Solskjaer came out with a plan as well of like how to how to nullify Liverpool. Is that um, a plan that would be replicated? Is that the blueprint? Um, yeah, I think so. And but but then there's been so many kind of like false dawns with um, with this Man United team. They they'll have this result and then they'll probably end up losing the next. I, next I, I mean, more so, is it the blueprint on how to stop Liverpool for other teams in the league? Right. Yeah. I mean, there's every chance. Yeah, yeah it's, it, it does seem you know, the one sole issue with Liverpool is that there isn't that much creativity in the middle of the park. You know, mm. With uh, Henson and, and Wijnaldum, then you know, Keiter or, or Fabinho, it's, it's not a hugely... It's a driving field. It obviously works very hard and yeah. Yeah. can tackle. But if you can stifle them out wide, if you can stop the fullbacks, who are probably the most you know, attacking pair, almost... Uh, you know, impressive kind of pair of fullbacks I can remember in the Premier League for a long time. Definitely, it's you know, it obviously gives them gives them more problems. So I'm sure it's something Klopp will be aware of that people are keying onto. Yeah. I, that was the one actually similarity between the two teams I noticed before kickoff was like thinking those kind of banks of three central midfielders are actually quite well matched. I think in terms of ability, and I think that's where yeah, where Liverpool are going to struggle because they just don't have that creativity there. They don't have a Coutinho now. But they have such a great unit yeah. and they have such a great system that, you know, you get past that first choice three, let's say it's mm. Henderson, Wijnaldum and Fabinho. Well, then you go and get Oxlade-Chamberlain who's back and can drive a little bit more. You can get Milner in. You can yeah. get... There's options and they well, all slot in, in so case, well. in this Lallana who Absolutely, came Lallana. on and, and scored a goal and it was, you know, it was a big moment for him but it shows why I think Klopp has kept him... Yes, as a player, you know, through, through these injuries for the last couple of years, he does at his best. He, he does offer something slightly I always, different. I always feel like he's going to do something whenever he yeah. comes on. Um, but Liverpool, though, I mean, they didn't play well. I think I think we probably all agree mm-hmm. with that. I feel like, as has been said by um, other pundits and journalists, they seem to play the occasion more than yep. more than the team in front of them. Yeah. Having said that, they played that badly in a game of such importance, in a game of such magnitude, and, and it's still a pressure cooker there, and the atmosphere was great, from what I hear. Um, and they still got away with the point. So actually, is, is this the game that confirms them as being the absolute nailed-on favourites to win this league? 
I mean, that's an interesting angle to take. I think, yeah, I, uh, it, it kind of depends how you look at it. It's, it's either a... I think I heard someone say the other day that before the game, um, Liverpool would have been devastated with a draw, Man United delighted with a draw, and then at the end of the game, Man United were yeah. devastated with a draw. It felt like a loss for them. Yeah, and Liverpool were really happy with uh, the point. So... It's all about perspective, but I'm sure Liverpool won't be coming away from that feeling particularly downhearted because they, no. they were the ones who scored the last-minute equaliser or towards the end. Whereas if I feel like if Man United had been the ones getting that late equaliser, that would have been uh, more demoralising for them yeah, and yeah, might affect right. their form going forward. Uh, who's going to win the league then? Very quickly, one word. Liverpool. Chris? Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, of course it is. Uh, we're going to have a break now, um, after which we'll talk championship, Chris. Exciting. Exciting. Yeah. Very, and probably, actually, realistically, VAR. Yeah. Less exciting. Think you know everything about Frank Sinatra? Then think again. Award-winning Richard Shelton brings Frank Sinatra's story and his iconic songs to life in a new show at Wilton's Music Hall That's in life. London, October the 22nd through to November the 2nd. Go to wiltons.org.uk and grab your tickets now. Welcome back to the show. Hope you enjoyed the adverts. Gareth, good adverts? They're always of high quality. What's your favourite ever advert that's been on telly? I mean... I that, love adverts. I'm a big advert guy. The Guardian one with the two different points of view with the punk running after the, uh, the businessman yeah. and yeah. turns out he's saving them from a falling thing from the sky. That was always a good one. But yeah. uh, honestly, it's probably one with a, a really pure old song and dance to it. Okay, a bit of a um, musical number. Oh, yeah. You, you have to... You know, the ones when you're a kid. Yeah. Probably something involving Tizer. You're listening uh, to the Bruce. Whistleblowers Football Podcast. <laughs> we ask our guests their favourite advert. Chris Duncan, <laughs> favourite advert, please? Uh, probably that classic Guinness one with the... Um, the horses. Yeah, with the horses yes. and the waves and all of that. Tick, follow, talk, follow. Yeah. I mean, it's just such a vibe, isn't it? You've both gone for quite high production values on. I like the sort of Mr. Muscle sort of vibe. I like that. Silly bang. Or do you know the the one sheet? I love just really... Naff. <laughs> really lowest common denominator stuff. Or, or yeah. when they have a, a foreign advert and they just badly dub it. I just, I'm just so into yeah. that. Yeah. Love that. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I don't know what, what happened there. Um, we're going to have to talk about this, and I think we should sort of just slay the beast early on in this half by talking about VAR. Uh, I mean, I don't really like talking about it, but I'd feel it would be remiss of us not to at least mention it. You're a Spurs fan. What was that about? It was, it was a very bizarre Were you series. at the games? I was. A very bizarre series of decisions. So talk us through what it's like to be in a stadium with absolutely no communication until the moment where there is communication and that communication is completely wrong. <laughs> well, you've summed it up quite well. I, I think it's, it's a very strange moment, you know, that, that pause between celebration and then, wait, hang on, can we celebrate? Yep. Or, you know, the, the fear of a penalty in this situation when uh, the Tongan, I, I think, pretty clearly fouled. Yeah, I mean... If you're not going to give that, then what are you going to get? What's it for? Yeah. Anyway, carry on, sorry. But there's, and then, you know, my biggest issue now is the rise of in seat punditry 
when the person next to you starts telling you why it will or will not be given by VAR. You know, so the guy next yeah. to me is like, yeah. Well, the thing is, the problem is, you know, once you've given it, it's hard to reverse it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I know we all like... Pretty concise, to be fair to him. I or mean, it, yeah. it was a fair point, but it's, it, it just leads to so much nonsense. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you feel when, when... I mean, this doesn't really apply to you, Chris, because our teams aren't really using VAR just yet. Uh, but do you feel like, consciously, you're not letting go when you score? You're not, you're not losing your mind and celebrating? No. Uh, it you, used to be, you score, yeah. first thing I would do is check the line out. Has he got his flag up? Yeah. Yes. And if not, then I know I'm absolutely fine. No, I, I think it's, it's actually still fairly similar. Like, you have this natural, just immediate euphoric reaction So I don't think that's gone away. Yeah. But like you said, that moment where you go, yes, and then you check. Well, you're still celebrating while you check the lines. But Deli Ali wasn't celebrating. Deli Ali instantly looked like no, which he was a like slight a giveaway, man. right? It's it's yeah. it's always slightly concerning when uh, uh, I I think it's slightly different in this game because the Spurs fans were so cheesed off with it was a really bad performance. Yeah, and you know when when a game you still think you, you going into it you think you're going to win when you get a very late equaliser there's still a element of fine whatever so like. You know, Deli's reaction was more kind of like, come on, I'm, I'm grumpy about the fact that we're not winning. And then you realise that he's, you know, almost preemptively concerned about the VAR decision. Yeah. Um, well, that I, just looked to me like, oh, it must, it, it must have hit his arm then, because, yeah. because that's why he's acting like this, because he knows it's going to get overturned. But in the end, actually, it was the very top of his shoulder, and that's not yeah. going to get given. Yeah, yeah it, was perfect, it was perfectly reasonable. I, I wonder yeah. if it's that fear where... You know, even though he's like, I'm pretty sure this is fine. Hang on, this is VAR. It's going to go and, and, and nobody me. trusts it. Is no. the key. And yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think VAR is obviously here to stay. I think VAR is a great thing. It's the implementation of it, yeah. and it's the Stockley Park officials that are the issue at the moment. And yeah. to me, it's just, it's insane. I mean, there were several incidents. We won't go into it, but several over the weekend that happened at Villa and, and United, Liverpool, and uh, yeah, I thought that was a shocking decision. Burnley, Leicester, one the main probably... one. See, I think actually both of those were right. Were uh, I think the the foul on Origi in the lead up right. in the lead up to my night's goal looked like a nail on foul to me. But I, I it's see, all I, about the information, isn't it? Yeah, I, I I agree with you, but you do see them not given quite a lot in games. It's sure. it's But but you saying you've seen them not given, this is the biggest issue is that VAR it appears is now being used subjectively. The whole point right. of VAR was yeah. supposed to take it was out black all and of white. That. Right yeah. and wrong. And the fact that we're arguing it now two, three days later so yeah. shows that, you know, what is the, what is the, what's the point? Yeah. I mean, let's, let's get away from it. We'll, yes. we'll talk about this every single time you're on, I'm sure. But, I mean, we're just <laughs> gonna, we're going to have to stop for a bit uh, because we've, we've got Chris Duncan in the studio with us. He is a Leeds fan. He's a championship expert. Tell me how Leeds United season is going so far. Um, do you feel like this is, as I think we've probably said five times out of the last ten seasons, is this the time, the season, where you're going to go up? I'm less convinced at this stage of this season than I was at this stage of last season. Um, I think teams have realised that they can just sit back against Bielsa's teams and you can basically hope to score a goal in a set piece and that's happened various times throughout throughout the season. We've not been blowing teams away either, no. which is a worry. We don't score as many goals as we should. Well, but, 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 Sorry to jump in there, but, sure. but this is reasonably relevant. They, those were the key problems you had when you played Derby yeah. at, at your place this season, where you were so much more the better team, creating all sorts of chances. But as soon as you didn't get that second goal and it got to sort of 55, 60 minutes, we weren't creating anything. But you knew that at some point there'd be an opportunity. You should have been 3-0 up in that game. Yeah. And that's a big game for both clubs. And 
you could feel it in the stadium that everyone starts getting a bit nervy. Yeah, I, I mean, feel like that's happened quite a lot this season with Leeds. It, it really has. I mean, I was walking through an airport security scanner when I saw the goal of Derby's equaliser, and I feel like I nearly got arrested because my response was that bad. Um, but I just knew it was going to happen. Like I was, I was in that queue, and I was like looking at my phone. I was like, yeah. "This is they're going to equalise. Yeah, they're going course. to equalise." And it's happened already happened about four times a season where we've we've conceded in the last five minutes of games, which is it's a worrying trend. And well, the, what do you put that down to? Is well, it con- concentration is it? I think it's part of the fact that. Bielsa doesn't really believe in defenders that much. So we end up with like a fullback playing centre-half. We've got a goalkeeper who thinks he's a midfielder. Oh, Christ, yeah, your uh, keeper. Yeah, and, and the other thing is we've just not been building up a cushion. If we're 3-0 up, it's not an issue. Yes, of course. Even if we're 2-0 up, I don't think we'd have any trouble defending against that. But, but there's now a dangerous scoreline for you guys. It's a very dangerous scoreline. And our problem, like I said, has been scoring goals, but... The weird thing is Bamford has been playing really well, yeah. but just not finishing. Nketi has been coming off the bench, and we've not played particularly well when he's been playing, but he's been scoring. Mm. So it's kind of like, which one, do which, you... which one do you go with? Do you feel like the selling of Pontus Janssen was, was a, a good shout? We're, we're middle of October, long season left ahead of us. You say you didn't like defenders, yeah. but you've lost a pretty important sort of totemic player in your squad. Yep. I mean, there's been various things said about whether Janssen's attitude was, was right, and I think him and Bielsa definitely must have had a falling out, yeah. or five. <laughs> but the thing is, we haven't really missed him that much this season because we replaced him with Ben White, on loan from Derby, and he, if he doesn't play for England within the next three or four years... On then, Derby? Sorry, on loan from uh, Brighton. I thought I'd lost my mind then. Yeah, I thinking, yeah. Have, 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 so, so Brighton must have some very, very good defenders if he's not getting in their team because yes. he's like a, he's probably the best defender I've seen play at Elm Road since Rio Ferdinand. Wow. Yeah. That's a huge show. Yeah, he's, he's incredibly composed. So next season, he will be back at Derby or I think Liverpool are looking at him. Brighton. Sorry. Brighton. Stop saying Derby. I know you're oh, obsessed. Derby, you are obsessed. Right. Leeds are obsessed with Derby. I love yeah, it. Yeah, we are. We are. Um, <laughs> you're in our heads. Gareth, um, sorry, uh, you, you, you watch a lot of championship. I, so I have a very soft spot for Charleston Athletic. Right. Well, so thank I you for that, because they hammered Derby at the weekend, 3-0. Apologies on were Absolutely behalf. atrocious. Um, from the outside looking in, uh, how do you see it? How do you see the automatic spots going this season? Well, I, I've noticed, uh, and it is very much kind of scanning results and, and tables, and it's obviously uh, quite concertinaed with, is it the, the top nine? There's five points between them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it, it's, I think the thing that excites me most is that, you know, there's a nice collection of old school... Proper teams, uh, proper, proper clubs. Proper teams, you know, Nottingham Forest, yeah. uh, you know, QPR and, and, and Preston, obviously being the most old school of old school teams. Fa- founder, um, founder league members, aren't they? I think. Very much so. Take that's, me back. It's where, it's where the, uh, you know, the, the original uh, FA um, Museum of Football was. For good reason. Well, Preston. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then oh, they right. moved it to uh, to Manchester. Um, but yes, I. But obviously, you look at the top six, and we'll just assume that two other teams from outside the top six will finish yeah. in the top two as ever. Um, I, I was a little surprised that Middlesbrough have struggled so badly. Maybe I shouldn't be. You know, Jonathan Woodgate is still a very uh, uh, inexperienced coach, but he was obviously the homecoming hero. Yeah. Um, any any insights on on Woodgate? Um, I don't think he was ever cast as the smartest um, like no. footballer to have ever lived. So, 
I think that was a, seemed as a bit seemed like a bit of an odd appointment, but maybe they were just trying to like get him back with Boya in the championship. Um, Classic <laughs> best pals. Where's Lee Boya? But he's also you know was painted with brush of being you know the lads from the estate and yep. thuggish yeah, Lee Boya was was what yeah. everyone was st- still clinging to because he, he he had that streak in him, didn't he? There's yeah. No, yeah. no denying that. But he's done an absolutely fantastic job. I mean, he's proven keep, keep, keeping management. up with that stereotype. He was banned from the touchline for the game on Saturday. Hey, he's an angry man. He's still an angry for man. Sure. But Charlton looked like they, you know, they, they could be an outside shot for, for playoffs. Yep. This is what's great about this league is that you, you can be you can be where Derby are. You can be nowhere, you know. But you win seven of your last ten. Yeah, and you can sneak the playoffs. I think Norwich were were like fifteenth or sixteenth at this stage of last season, and then they basically won every. Every game apart from three. Yeah, because they were doing well. They were doing very well around Christmas. That's right, yeah. Um, but yeah, th- th- this league is such a. It's so hard to get your head around this league. It's so hard yeah. to get out of simply because there's so many evenly matched teams. It's so competitive. You yeah. play so many games. You know, you play, you're playing two games a week for eight months. Yeah. And if, unless you've got a seriously deep, deep squad or you just happen to be insanely lucky with lack of injuries. Then you're gonna you're gonna have dips in the season. There's, it's very rare that you have a Newcastle who go up with 106 points or whatever. Yeah, and I think I think it's really interesting that none of the teams relegated from the Premier League, give, even given the extremely bloated finances that these teams have, um, are doing well. Like Cardiff are tenth, Fulham are eleventh, uh, Huddersfield are second from bottom. I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean, Huddersfield have got they, they're in danger of going down again. Doing a Sunderland. Yeah, well, we mentioned earlier on uh, Ralph Hassenhutl at um, Southampton, and we talked about how he was this progressive new boy who looked like, oh, wow, so exciting. But actually, David Wagner has, has set that blueprint as well as obviously Klopp and the like, but it shows that it doesn't always work. No. This, this thing of, this idea of uh, the Neil Warnocks of the world or, or uh, whoever, Tony Poulis, for example, they get given these contracts to keep their teams up for a reason, it's because they play an effective brand of football that can get you out of danger. It's not always maybe the right way. It's, it's the right way to play football, the, the way that Wagner or these guys want to play, but sometimes you just need to, for want of a better phrase, get stuck in. Yeah, That's what you absolutely. need. And there is, yeah, there is obviously a whole thing about the, you know, the culture around the club. When a, when a team gets relegated, it's obviously incredibly hard to shake that off. It's, yeah. you know, it's much more likely, I think, for the team... You know, will struggle in their new division than they will to you know just naturally you know dominate and 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 get promoted again. Yeah. Uh, there's very few clubs who seem to be able to uh, to yo-yo successfully. I mean, West Brom, who, who are top, are, are one of the few who seem to take relegation in their stride, and yep. they always seem yep. to have a very good season uh, or two seasons get get back up, and then you know. We'll, we'll, Floats around in the Premier League for a little bit. It helps that you get so much parachute money if you're West Brom. Yes, and they, they've yeah. obviously worked out a system. It feels yeah. like they're never more than two years out of the Premier League yeah. before you see them back in it. And I actually think they're, they're a really well-run club, and they, 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 have, they go through a fair few managers, but they always seem to get one absolute jewel every yeah. few seasons. Yeah. And I think at the minute, Bilic is, for me, for me, they're nailed on to go up, I think, I think automatically, but who knows. But they look... A really solid side with with a sprinkling of real quality in there. Yeah, Premier League quality as well. I agree completely. When we played West Brom a few weeks ago at home, they dominated us, which is probably the first team to come to Ellen Road and dominate, like actually dominate us for a very long time. And I think it was the first home game since Bielsa took charge that we've actually had less possession. 
right. which I think is very telling. Um, and they just they just look great. We were clinging on. Um, well, we, we played well against West Brom at home. We we only drew with them because they got a very dodgy last minute penalty. Uh, but aside from that, they've been great this season. And yeah. I, yeah. I mean, again, proper club, proper club, proper club. Meat yeah. potatoes. Speaking of uh, proper clubs, it was Lee's uh, centenary celebrations this week. Did you see much of it? It was. Yeah, I watched. I watched where, as much as I could. Where did you get your tattoo? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, obviously they they've really kind of like hammed it up and tried to sell as much merchandise as possible off the back of it. Why not? I mean, yeah, you can get a commemorative shirt, of which they made 1,919, which was the year we were founded, yeah. and sick. charging a mere £150 for them. Wow. Make um, it 100. Surely make it £100 really? for yeah. a yeah. Can I just say my favourite Leeds memory in that 100 years uh, was Mark Viduka scoring, was it Ooh, four, four against Arsenal? That, yeah. No, it was against Liverpool. Liverpool. Against Liverpool, I'm sorry. Yeah. A great memory, obviously. It was great. And a little known fact from that game, towards, I think it was really his fourth goal when he was twisting and turning. He was twisting and turning so much that Patrick Berger's knee like, gave way and he was out for a season. Was that, um, that right? Yeah, yeah. Wow. In, in the midst of all that. But yeah, that was, that was really good fun. And My favourite Leeds memory was the playoff semi-final last year. I'm sure it was, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Not the first leg, I'm assuming. The one that mattered. <laughs> uh, right, on that note, we're going to have to wrap up for this week, uh, unless you want to have a final word on, on Leeds. Uh, yeah, I hope we go up. <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, good luck to Leeds. Good luck to Spurs. Anything to plug, guys? Yoni. Uh, uh, you mean don't sound that up for plugging your, your stuff? Yeah, 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 it's terrible, actually. There, there, isn't, there isn't too much plug at the moment. Okay. You should go listen to a... Uh, new podcast with one of our artists, Gold Panda, where he talks about his uh, his creative process, which you can oh, find on his social media. Um, I don't know how to um, verbally put a SoundCloud link. Sorry, here, we've so. got the two worst salesmen I've ever heard. I know, I know. I know. <laughs> Marketing. Right, cut that out. Just yeah, yeah. Out. <laughs> right, I can't even remember the name of this podcast. So. That's fine. Okay, right. I'll, so you'll um, get sacked if you uh, do leave it in. Cut out, cut out the plugs. No, um, we'll, we'll just wrap up now and then we'll just do an intro. Yeah. Um, I'll just wrap up. Um, so this has been the Whistleblowers. If you like it, tell your friends, subscribe, uh, follow us on Twitter at Football Podcast. Uh, yeah, if you didn't like it, just you know, just relax and just get on with your lives. Until next week, goodbye. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.